everyone. Um, I feel like I feel like Rebecca, you're the only constant because like whenever I'm here, like my background's always changed. Like I'm in right now, like I'm in, you know, like other other rooms, but you're you're the nice white constant. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome <laughs> back to the focus. Uh we are back. Uh, my name is Zach. I'm Rebecca. And we are back in the back in the white. So it got it wasn't I don't know if it's cooler, but it's cooler in my household today. So yeah. um, we're back in the white. Those last couple of weeks we had to go to the polos because woo! <laughs> woo. Yes, yes, yes. We have oh Michaela's already looking uh seeing my different background. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. It's but it's different, it's different for sure. Um we have a great one for you guys. Uh so excited to so excited today. Um great, great discussion that's upcoming. But before we get into our discussion, we got to do our land acknowledgement. Rebecca, take yes. it away. So it's important to acknowledge Canada's history of enslavement, racial segregation, and marginalization as it has had a devastating impact on peoples of African descent. The existence of systemic anti-Black racism and inequality in education, housing, employment, health, criminal justice, politics, and other areas can be directly traced to the complex legacies of the dehumanizing enslavement of African people in Canada. Canada has neither recognized nor educated the public adequately about the historical facts related to slavery and the anti-Black racism it has produced. Despite this, Black Canadians have made outstanding contributions, contributions to Canada in every field, which is all the more remarkable given the legacy of slavery. It is necessary to recognize the history of Black Canadians in order to build a more just society free from discrimination. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. That is a good one. Thank you, Rebecca. Um, before we get into this week's discussion, of course, we got to talk about last week. Woo! Last week was, last week, there's a reason why I was in that, not just the, yeah. not just because of the heat, but that was a heated discussion. Last week, we talked about gender stigmas and stereotypes. Um, we had a great panel from both the school board, um, from entrepreneurs um, to high school leaders. And we just talked about um, different roles that genders play in society. And it was a great discussion. If you guys missed that, it is available on Spotify podcast, Google podcasts. And of course, you could check out uh, the link in our bio for the YouTube video as well. Whew, Rebecca, right, are you yeah. ready for this week? I'm ready. But for this week, um, this week, as you guys can see, it is marked financial literacy. So do not feel like you are out of place. We will, myself and Rebecca, we are just rookies at this, waiting and ready and eager to hear some great minds. I have my paper, my my textbook here ready. Rebecca got her pen. We're gonna take down some notes as we go along because yeah. a lot of knowledge is going to be spilled, and we recommend that you guys do the same. Yes. You ready, right. Rebecca? I'm ready. Are you ready? Right. I'm ready. Let's get into it. All right. So first, we're going to bring up a teacher that actually goes to my school from Madonna Secondary Catholic School, Mr. G. Hey. Hello, Mr. G. You're on mute still. Give on mute. Hold on. Yep. <laughs> Give up on mute. I know. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. All right. How's everyone out there in the cyber world? Yeah, all right. Yep, yep, absolutely. So everyone wants to know a bit about yourself and a little fun fact. All right. So as you mentioned, I'm a teacher. I teach at Madonna Catholic Secondary School. 
Uh, you might know me from being on the uh, basketball court and winning a couple championships. Maybe you see mm. my team at the track, Claret getting some gold medals. Um, but uh, while I'm in class, hey, hey all right, there's one of my students right there. All right, cool, cool. Um, and then, yeah, when I'm teaching, I teach uh, world religions at our school. Uh, I teach personal life management, which is uh, what we're going to be talking about, financial literacy. And then sometimes I teach phys ed. Sometimes I teach science. I get moved around a lot. So, yeah, it's all good. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. We are going to get into Wait, our... We oh. can't let him off the hook. Oh, we can't let him off the hook. We You're right. We can't let him off the hook. Fun facts. We need oh. your fun facts. <laughs> fun fact was me. Ooh. All right. So I don't know if this is a fun fact. All right. It's kind of... Uh, so you asked me for uh, a headshot, right? And one of my side hustles is photography. I go around doing headshots and stuff like that. And I looked on my computer to try and find a headshot of myself could not find one like that's like recent like it's like 10 years old that that photo of me i look good back wow. then right last year no it's still looking good it's still yeah. looking good don't worry about it one bit thank you so much you're welcome let's get into our next guest uh one who is very knowledgeable great 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 mind miss cassie hello 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 hi everybody Hey. How are you? I'm Tell good. us a bit about yourself and maybe a little fun fact. All right. So I'm a financial analyst. I've worked in venture capital and in financing. Um, my team and I, we invest in companies that we believe in. On the personal side, I started to invest in the stock market in 2017. And my passion for financial literacy grew from there. So I'm very excited to be here with all of you today. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Was there a fun fact in there? I didn't really I love traveling. So I've been to most of the continents on earth. Uh, so I've been to Africa, Asia, Europe, America, obviously Caribbean. And when they let us out, hopefully I go to South America next. Mm. Yeah. So, what is the, so what is the first place that you're going right after you are allowed to travel? I'm debating between Brazil and Panama. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I've never yeah. been to either, so let me know yeah. how that goes. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been to either. Let us know how that goes. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Have anyone been to Brazil? Let us know in the comments or Panama. I heard they're great, great places to, to be at, though. Thank you. Thank you, Cassie, for being here. We are going to get into our last guest, Rebecca. Our next guest, another person who is extremely knowledgeable in financial literacy, actually um, the older brother of a really, really good friend. Mr. Kevin. <laughs> All right. Hey, Kevin, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So just a little bit about myself. I, um, you know, I started investing uh, after um, I graduated school, uh, after I graduated school to, you know, see how I can pay off my debt and achieve some of the things like buy a house and start a family and everything. And then as soon as I embarked in that journey, I found out that not many people knew the stuff that we need to know, like financial literacy. So I got into teaching financial literacy for three years and, uh, you know, just teaching adults. Um, I started with my friends first and then teaching adults. Um, and now I, because of that, I have my own tax practice. I, I, I run my own business. And a little bit of fun fact about myself is I played competitive laser tag since I was 12. Um, sadly, because of the you know laser quest, if you haven't heard of it, laser quest. Uh, and, and I got to travel around like North America, you know, going to Vegas at like 15 years old and everything. Oh, wow. And then 
Yeah, and then but you can't do anything, right? You're just you're just in Vegas as 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 a minor at that point. And um, but the sad news is because of COVID, they all got um, they I think they shut down all their locations. I don't know if they went bankrupt or or what, but I know they did shut down all their locations. So no more laser tag for me. But anyone ever interested in playing laser tag? I'm I'm all about it. <laughs> Maybe at the end of this um, session, someone will invest in the laser tags. Yeah. <laughs> Once the lockdown's over. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. And one of the key things that you pointed to was laser tag going bankrupt. So we'll get into that a bit too, um, as well as several other topics. A lot of our topics we can go on and on about. Um, so we don't we wanna we wanna make sure that our students and everyone that is watching get a full, full, full um a sense of financial literacy as a whole. So if you guys do want to learn, uh, know more, let us know. Uh, we will contact you guys with these fine panelists here. Thank you guys so much for being here. And we're going to get right into it because I know myself and Rebecca planning for this, we had a lot of questions um, in regards to this. Um, and Rebecca, it's, it's fun. It's funny because Rebecca is like, um, she's like a sponge and she just wants to learn more. And yeah. some of the stuff I can't even, even though I'm older than her, I can't, I, I can't answer some of her questions, yeah. right? So even stuff like maybe potentially like cryptocurrency is big now for the past, I uh, since maybe the lockdown, that's been a really, really big, along with other stocks as well. Like there's a lot of um, GameStop that happened a bit. And, but I want to, I want to, I want to ask you guys, because you guys became, um, you guys teach financial literacy in some way or form. Um, I want to get into the importance of that education aspect and knowing, and why do you guys uh, teach so much um, before you guys um, invest or what is the importance of studying in different aspects of financial literacy before taking that next step forward? Yeah, so maybe I'll, I'll take that one first. And I think it's 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 like learning to crawl and then walk and then run, right? Because if you just start running right away, you're you're you know um, you're, you're dealing with real money, and we work hard for our money. You know, I, I remember working at Wendy's back in the day, like when I was making like you know seven eight dollars an hour and investing it. And you know, if you don't know what you're doing, you can lose all your money, right? You can lose all your money and not. And and right now, I don't have a family yet, so later on when I will, but imagine your whole family savings that's going to go into the ground because you know you don't know financial literacy you don't know where to invest you don't know what to invest you don't know the risk of investing right so uh that's why i think the education the mindset of investing is very uh important before you actually go out there like anything we do right? like you know teaching in school right teaching a sport teaching english teaching accounting teaching math anything we learn we need to know the basics first and then we can build upon it mm -hmm. It's interesting. I mentioned I coach basketball, and uh, Coach Blackburn taught me when I first started uh, coaching basketball that you got to teach the fundamentals before you can get them on the court and playing games, right? They got to know how to pivot. They got to know how to right so the basics before they can get to the next level of it, right? And so, learning the fundamentals of investing is important before you get in there and start losing money. And then you're like, I'm losing money. Oh no, I'm out of this, right? And then you're done, right? So, I agree with you. For me, financial literacy, I kind of learned the hard way. Like you make bad decisions and then you're like, how can I make this better? So along the way, I learned that it's so important to be financially literate because it will bring you freedom. 
and I, I, I want that freedom. I don't want to be held back because I don't have enough funds for X, Y, Z. I want to be able, I, I share that I like traveling. I want to be able to travel on the go. So for me, generating multiple streams of income is very important. And I found a way to do that through learning about the different ways to generate money. So for me, financial literacy means freedom. I want, I want to ask uh, another quick question because, um, we spoke about like financial literacy and investment, but um, a lot of people get scared of that word investment because they think that investment could mean, oh, stocks or something like that, that they're not knowledgeable in. But investment just really means um, dedicating your time and efforts into one particular thing, uh, potentially money, right? So um, what can you guys say to maybe young, uh, I guess, minds that are scared to take that next step of investing um, because, um, yeah, they, the, the fear of it maybe, and maybe that investment doesn't come in all in one form. Like it doesn't just mean stocks. It doesn't just mean real estate. Um, it doesn't just mean, um, money, material things, right? You're absolutely right. Um, one thing you can invest in right away is yourself, right? I mentioned how I do photography as my side hustle. I had to buy a camera. So I took some money, bought a camera and then went on and started to shoot. Right. So it can start with simple ways. Not, doesn't always have to be stocks, right? Yeah, I love that, Mr. G. I think that's the first thing that came to my mind, too, because um, we're our biggest investment, right? So, you know, we invest maybe a lot of money into our brains, uh, our mind going to university. And actually, uh, after university, every year right now, um, I invest in almost the same amount of money that I invest in myself during university, just courses, learning from experts, um, books. I, I still invest in in, in myself. So, I mean, when you talk about investments, like uh, growing money, if you can invest in yourself, like that's your uh, revenue generating uh, unit as well, like you, right? Um, because the more knowledge we have, the more potential we can have to, um, to, to make income. And I think one of my mentors, uh, when he talked to me way back, he's like, Kevin, um, you can buy money with experience, but you can't buy experience with money. So, you know, that's that's one of the things he, he, he taught me. So when it comes to like investing in stocks and cryptocurrency and stuff, there's no amount of money that you can learn to get that wisdom of how to do it right until you actually learn it and then and then do it. Right. So. Yeah. And I agree with what Mr. G and Kevin said. I think the first the best investment you're going to make is your mind. So I am personally an avid reader. I love reading. And once I got into finances, I, I picked up books that dealt with how to deal, how to deal with money, how to budget, um, how to build a capital and all that stuff. And so that increased the knowledge that I had. And there's also a saying that that comes and complements what everybody has been saying so far. Uh, I'm a butcher, so if you guys know it, help me. I think it says, um, teach a man how to fish. Okay. Yes. Okay. Do you know the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Teach yeah. a man a fish, you fed him for life. Exactly. For life. Yeah. So when you when you invest in your mind, the knowledge never leaves you, and nobody can take that away from you. So even if something was to happen and you lose everything tomorrow, the next day you'll be able to rebuild. So. Mm -hmm. And absolutely, with uh, I guess when uh, Zach you mentioned the whole GME GameStop and all this stuff, you can, and and right now nowadays like all these influencers like Elon Musk, like Bloomberg News, like if you don't know what you're doing, they're giving you all these news, and then you're just what do I do, right? Like 
you know, you hear all this news that like Elon Musk is saying Dogecoin or Bit, whatever he says, it just the market just fluctuates based on that. But is that real? Is that is that how the the real investment is? And 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 if you don't know for yourself, you're just gonna follow, follow, follow blindly. And then when you hit into a a, a wall, you're like, I'm, "This is not for me. I'm not investing anymore." And you know, it, this is all a scam. Yeah, <laughs> right. I have, I have a question right there. So right, so like we're hearing a lot of it online, and especially as a teen, right? Like I just turned eighteen. And I think now legally I can invest in stocks and right. So if I were to invest in stocks, like one, like where should a teen even start? And what are some things they should like probably stay away from? Like, cause, cause like from what I see online, like I hear like a lot of the praise, but then I also get to hear like a little bit about like the pyramid schemes that are out there. Um, I don't know, like different ways that you can get trapped online and end up wasting your money, like giving a certain amount of money, like $500 to someone every month just for your money to go nowhere because you don't really know how it works. So as a teen, for someone who's never, you know, got into this one, where can they gain information on this? How do they start? What do they stay away from um, getting started into like investing? Do you, does, I don't know who wants yeah, to take start, And this is, this is with every young individual and, and even me, you know, there's there's no get rich quick scheme or there's no nothing. When you talk about investing, there's no get rich quick. Um, it's 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 a marathon. It's consistency and doing it. So when we talk about investing and, you know, if someone tells you, hey, you can make, you know, 100 percent in a month or you can make you know, X amount, like that's out of the, this world. Like you you're like if, if the greed, if you feel greedy when you hear that. You know there's something wrong if you if your heart starts getting pumping and greedy about this investment um you know it, it might be too good to be true but where to start i mean um you're gonna have to number one go in and maybe miss i know mr g teaches some of these courses but but but, okay? but but spend some time learning uh what is the best investment for you uh where to put your money for me like if i was to start like my first starting point was you know what let's just put my money into a tax-free when i turned 18 i put 50 bucks 50 bucks a month into a tax-free savings account i don't know what the investment in it was okay so that wasn't a great move by me but i knew i just had to put my money in something that grows more than inflation and uh, I don't know if we want to get to the topic of what is inflation, but I just had to knew I knew that it had to grow more than 3% a year. I, that's all I knew. I knew that it had to grow more than 3% a year. So I start there. And then I started learning about, you know, the different types of investment that you can put inside of a tax-free savings account. Um, what is an RSP? So I learned about different investment vehicles. And that's how you can start off small, less risk. And then you're kind of getting your feet wet at that time, right? And then you choose like, you know, um, real estate, you choose cryptocurrency, you choose businesses that like Cassie's investing because in, then, you know, you need to start somewhere to see like some kind of growth in your money and then you can uh, diversify. Okay. I usually, yeah, I usually tell people start with what you know. So like when I'm in class, I see everyone on their iPhones. All right, who makes that? Anyone know who makes iPhones? Apple. Right, so you, you buy some shares in Apple because you're, you're already supporting that company, let that company grow. Uh, I brush my teeth every morning. I use Colgate. I don't know what you use. Right? Crest. I use Colgate. I'm already using a product. I'm already using. I know people are using it. I'm gonna invest in those ones to start off with. Right? They're, they're slow growing. Like there's low risk, but it gets your feet wet while you're doing your research and learning more information about the other ones. Okay. So, tax-free saving account just to start off. Yep. 
then kind of starting off where you know, and then like first like gaining the knowledge, right? And then starting off with things you know that may grow, like things that you use every day. I'm just saying these key points in case anybody wants to like write it down or like, I know I'm probably gonna come back to this video. And, and, and I think like um, wealth simple makes it very easy and simple, but you know, you don't have you don't even have to go to the bank right now. You don't have to line up. You can take your photo ID, buy the camera, and then they create a whole account for you as a tax-free savings account. And I know, you know, uh, some people don't like fees, but well, simple, there's no fees when you trade or anything like that. Zero, zero fees. So is well, simple an app. Yes, it's an app. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I've simple trade. Well, simple before. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, yeah, it's well, simple trade. Well, well, simple, um, well, simple trade or something. I know well, simple. They're, they're yeah. making a bunch of stuff, yeah. but it's well, simple trade, and it's free. Like you can buy anything. There's no fees or like super low fees. Okay. Well, simple trade. Yeah. So I wanted I wanted to ask a question too because Rebecca was talking about um, traps in the media. Um, and some traps that you can fall into. I know some people. Um, um, I'm almost dead. There, there's, there's a lot of traps that, yeah, like um, Kevin alluded to. Uh, some people saying they could grow your money a hundred percent in like biweekly, and chances are, like, like you said, it's a marathon, not a sprint. But there's also like uh, credit traps, right? And like uh, credit cards that are so dangerous. Um, to to those credit cards are another aspect of something that you need to be knowledgeable on before you apply and stuff like that. I know that when I first got a credit card, I didn't touch it for a bit because I didn't know what I was doing. So I was very scared. Um, but there's the all flip side to it is where sometimes people think credit is free money. Right. So um, can you guys maybe maybe speak to um, like what is what is credit and why what is, is so, credit? Let's yeah, start. Why here. is why does so why is so credit. significant significant in um I guess our day to day and always been significant. Yeah, so I mean credit when I I was lucky enough that so I, I I'm a spender and my mom is like she hates you know she hates it so she's like pay up your credit card pay up your credit card I'm like why I don't get it right but um, after when you start looking into buying a car, buying a house, investing in businesses, getting business loans, they, they only care about credit. Um, and you know, what I found uh, really interesting as well, if, if you guys are trying to look into getting a job into finance or sales, accounting, anything to deal with money, um, they actually look at your credit score. You know, and if you have a low credit score, they might uh -huh. not even give you the job. So, and, and, and I asked my boss, um, you know, when I was doing sales, I'm like, why, why is that? And they said, because when you have low credit, you don't know how to manage your money. So you may do something unethical um, because you're trying to make bigger sales. You're trying to, you know, screw people out of their money or doing any unethical tactic to make the money and then spend it. Right. And same thing with finance. Like there's, if you're bad with your own money, you may be bad with other people's money. Right. So it works in a way where if you don't have credit, um, you can't buy anything, right? You can't buy anything. You can't even rent an apartment. You know, yeah. I have a lot of friends yeah. when, 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 like right now, they're during this pandemic, they're trying to rent and they can't rent an apartment. So there's no way for friends to stay, right? Um, and yeah, you can't buy anything. And you, you, it just, you, you just seem like you can't do anything and like you can't even get a job. So uh, getting a credit score is very important. And I actually monitor my credit score uh, on a monthly basis. I pay 20 bucks through Equifax and I monitor it every single uh, month just to see that, make sure that I'm 
in you know the the, the 680 to 720 range i'm just you know and and that's and that's the range that you need like that's the range that you need to at least start something i know some people have like 800 etc but if you're not within at least 680 you're you're not going to be able to get anything you know we have phone rogers internet rog bell internet or whatever so 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 credit is your ability to be able to pay back right like so when you're borrowing money they're looking at your credit score to see can you pay something back so if your credit score is going down because you're not paying your credit cards back on time no one wants to rent your apartment because who you can't guarantee you're going to pay your rent right and so that's why it's important to have a good credit score i'll say one of the easiest traps it's a legal trap but like it's a mind trap is let's say you get a credit card and let's say your limit is $500 and you've used 350. When you look at your statement, the statement will say, if you only pay $10 or like the minimum amount is $10 mm -hmm. and people look at that and they're like, I have $10 in my bank account and they think it's enough. And it is enough to cover your bill that month, but technically it affects your credit score if you have a high amount on the credit that you have. And so the tip that I would say is like, let's say you owe whatever you owe on your credit card, pay it off as soon as possible, like pay it off like that month. And that's the one of the best way for you to increase your credit and also to have like a certain discipline about the way that you handle credit cards. Yeah, absolutely. And just to kind of pick up on what you said, because I remember when I was you know, speaking with Zach, like, like building your credit score is more than just paying it on time. Like apparently, like even let's say if your limit is $500, like apparently like spending $400 every single time, even though you pay it back, now you come off like you're too dependent on credit and then that can hurt your credit score. And I had no idea. I thought that if, as long as you can pay it off, I mean, I don't have a credit card, but I just assume that as long as you can pay it off on time and you have the money to pay it off, then you're good. But apparently like it's just safer to, I guess, pay small expenses to help grow instead of big ones all the time so that you don't mm -hmm. depending. Cause I didn't know that that was a thing too, even though you could pay it off. Yeah. And, and, and Rebecca, I think this is going to be good for you. If, if you're going to get your first credit card and you're going to keep using it, make sure you don't cancel that credit card. The reason is the longer of a history of spending you have on the credit card, that gives you your credit ability, your credit, it, it adds to your credit score too, right? Because I had a friend who, you know, started to learn financial literacy. He's like, you know what? I'm going to cancel all the credit cards I don't need. And he canceled his first ever credit card that he got right from, from right after you, uh, from right after high school. And that was 10 years worth of uh, credit history that, oh. that he had. So, you know, whatever credit card you have, like, Right from the beginning just try to keep it you know like don't have too many credit cards but just try to keep it because that's credit history for you too okay so two questions right off the bat i just need to ask sorry yeah. so one so one it's 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 advisable to get it like right when you turn 18 like it's it's advisable to get one so that you have more history right okay yeah. so the second point is i had no idea that there's multiple credit cards i thought you just have a credit card and that's your credit like your credibility is just there i didn't know that there was multiple lines of credit oh. or anything okay so lines of credit is something different all right but credit cards okay. different different credit cards and i was about to say that because um uh, kevin mentioned university right so when i got to university there was a form and it was all different it was a cibc visa it was a bank of montreal mastercard it was a canadian tire mastercard i can go on the list petrol canada card right 
uh, for different uh, places. And I just put check mark, check mark, check mark, check mark, check mark, check mark. I ended up with eight credit cards, right? And they don't like they didn't care. They were just giving me all these like five hundred dollar limits, and I was using them. I was taking out people for lunch. Hey sis, you want a drum set? No problem, I got you. And like I max them out, and then like I learned. I'm telling you right now, I learned the hard way, and a lot of people learn the hard way. So it, like it took me so much work to pay them all off when I realized, oh, I gotta pay this back eventually, right? Like so, uh, you it's it's recommended to have maybe two credit cards to start with, maybe one Visa and one Mastercard, and like. Wait, and it's good to have two than just one. We're gonna have two, uh, and the, I worked at a bank, and what happens is sometimes Visa might go out. And like their line might crash. And if you have a MasterCard, you can use that line instead, right? Okay. Like you could, like their, the internet goes out, right? So, uh, okay. so I, I've always had two, one of each, just in case. And if you have two, that doesn't hurt anything. When you have two, is it going to one like credit or is like two separate credits? Okay, so like if I have one with um, Bank of Montreal MasterCard and one CRBC Visa, they're different, but they're both okay. on my credit score, both on my credit history. Okay, so for example, I'm with Scotiabank, but I'm only with Scotiabank. Yeah. So does that mean I open two credit cards? No, no, you don't have to. Okay. Don't have to. Okay. Just open one, one Scotiabank Visa, and like, and then start off with that, and like let that grow. Yeah. Okay. I'll say one yeah. thing though: you have to know yourself. Like, if you know that, if you get a credit card and your mind is going to think this is free money, perhaps be more vigilant about your next move. Because a lot of people, like somebody said earlier, they think it's free money. It's not free money, it's not your money. Technically a credit card is like emergency, right? Mm -hmm. So if you know your spending habits are not that discipline, keep that in mind with the decision you wanna make with the credit you wanna get. And also I think, um, you can get you can get started like let's say your parents have a credit card you can ask them to put you on their credit card that can also help you build a certain credit credit history but obviously it's best if you have your own under your name but that could get you started as well okay so just back to the different types um there's department store credit cards so the bay will have one canadian tire will have one yeah. will have one they charge a higher amount of interest so canadian tire used to be like 29 percent I think right now it's at 19% interest per year, where you can get, um, like if I have a CIBC visa, they, they rank from like 9% to like 19%. So when you're getting a credit card, you also wanna check to see what's the interest rate, right? That you're gonna be paying on, on that debt. And the interest rate is different at every bank? Every, every card has a different interest rate. So, so, like, so when you're applying for it, double check and see what interest rate are you gonna be charged, right? So. Okay. But also your credit score affects the interest rate. So let's say you have an 800 credit score, you could get an interest rate for like 8% versus someone well, that has like... 8% it would be considered good, right? Yeah, it's a cheaper interest rate, right? Like let's say you have a 600 credit score, then they'll give you the top, they'll give you the 19% or the 24%. But the better your credit score, the better the bank trust that you can repay whatever you owe and so because they trust you they like will give you a lower interest rate so that's also how your credit score helps you when you want to build um your credit uh in the long run someone had this question is it even possible for someone to get a credit card for free i think getting a credit card they're free free yeah well, some of them have annual fees so yeah, you have to be careful. Some I of them the, are free and some of them have annual fees. I, I think the question is, can you go credit card free? Like have no credit card ever. Oh. So, um, I, 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 
I don't think so. Not in not in our culture. You need credit. Like you need credit, or else you can't rent a car. You, sorry, you can't do anything. There, there is one loophole way, right? So um, you can start off with getting, a, like, say, you got a car loan, but your parents co-sign for it. Then you're building your credit rating by you're you're responsible to pay for it. If you don't pay it, your parents will end up paying it for you, right? So that's where the bank will lend it to you. Um, and then there's another way where you can get a credit card where you're not actually borrowing money. You put $500 on this credit card and then you're able to use it and then it builds up a credit history. But you have to pay it back off as if it's not your own money, right? So there's a prepaid, prepaid credit card. Yeah, prepaid credit card, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's hard though because like uh, I, you know, I, I, I left my wallet at home on a trip and even car rental. I remember I have cash. I'm like, I have cash, guys. Can I give you cash? Like, no, we need a credit card. I'm like, but I'll give you more cash. You know, they're like, no, we'll give you, you need a credit card. Even, even hotels, you need a credit card. I'm like, I have a debit card. They're like, no, we need a credit card. I'm like, oh my God. So mixed, like, I don't know what it is, but they, wow. they, they, they make you get credit cards, right? So wow. yeah. So I, I was told, but right before I got it, that like credit is like having credit is literally what it is. Like it's, uh, it's you showing people that you're responsible that you're like reliable in a sense. Um, and like, if not, then yeah, like like you said, like some cars, like you won't get a certain car loans, you won't get approved for like mortgages, which we will get into. Um, someone had a question about what does dividends mean? So paying dividends. So we kind of, someone wants to jump on that really quick um, I, because we do we do want to get into the student, the student, all the students questions, um, even though we do have our own as well. Uh, Cassie, what does dividend mean? Okay, so I'm assuming he's talking about the stock market. Mm -hmm. So let's say that like mostly mature companies, so let's say Johnson & Johnson. Johnson mm -hmm. & Johnson is a mature company. It's been around for generations. Their revenues are pretty secure and they're pretty high. And so what they do, because they're compared to, let's say, a startup, the, the amount of growth is not the same. And so they know that when you invest in them, you're not expecting like a 10x return, right? So a dividend is another way to entice people to come and invest with them. So let's say you invest in the Johnson & Johnson capital stock. Um, they take a portion of their revenue and they add a percentage to that and they pay it back to the shareholders. So if you have a stock with Johnson & Johnson, you get paid because you hold that stock. So there, it's like a thank you for from them saying, you trust in us, and so this is a reward. So that's what a dividend is. And you get a dividend payment. Um, for each stock you own, you get a dividend payment. So it's passive income. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Are there yeah. different forms of dividends? Is, there, is it just the stock market? Well, because we were talking about credit score, and there are credits, uh, not credit score, sorry, credit cards, and there are credit cards that offer pay back like a cash back some of them will will uh, promote them as dividends mm -hmm. so um that's why uh, there's a difference between the two Actually, okay that's way of saying it. like a dividend can go for both whether it's stocks or credit card it's like a cash back so you buy stocks and usually you leave a stock there for a year five years ten years but um the company might give you a little cash back as time goes on like every quarter every three months uh so that's kind of cool the cash back with the credit card I like that link. Yeah, I, I, I never looked at it like that. Like yeah, yeah, comparison yeah. of cashback. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, so we're talking about credit too, and credit in a in a sense, um, it's a form of 
Oh, and someone was talking about credit limit like before. In a sense, it's a form of, uh, yeah, like, like we said, responsibility and budgeting as well. Um, budgeting your, like your money is very important. So what are, uh, I know, Kevin, you were talking about uh, $50 in a TFSA um, every month. Um, but some, what are some of the ways that a student, like um, if I, I, when I was in high school, I worked at Foot Locker. And if I got paid maybe like $400 biweekly, um, what is a good way of like budgeting that maybe like a percentage of my income or whatnot? Because when I was in high school and I don't know about everyone, but when I was in high school and I worked at Foot Locker, my paycheck went to a shoot. And if I if I had a discount too, it was even worse. So what are some ways that people can, um, I wouldn't say avoid it, but someone can still function without spending, blowing their whole uh, paycheck on a Foot Locker shoe? <laughs> yeah, so I think I think with budgeting, it, it, it comes down to uh, having a goal to budget because budgeting is number one, it's fun, but it's not fun in the beginning. You know, I, I actually, 90% of the, my accountant's friend don't even have a budget and we do budgeting for companies. Right? We, we do as a job, we do budgeting for companies. But on a personal <laughs> level, they, they don't do budgets for themselves because having a goal like why do you want that extra money like that's where you start off with like you know maybe in in, in your budget zach when you were you know working foot block was to buy that shoes right <laughs> maybe right. maybe that's that's where your goal is but uh in terms of starting a budget and seeing how much you should invest um the the goal is at least 10 percent of your paycheck so 10 percent of your paycheck should like as soon as you get into your bank you can do automatic withdrawal or set up pre, pre uh, uh, direct deposit or something and then just take 10% out of your paycheck and then it goes into an investment account or it goes somewhere where you don't even look at it and and that's the the, the rule of thumb right and as you get used to having less income then you can do 15% or you know 20% or if you actually make more income 10% would be more than 10% what it was when you were working foot locker right if you go from foot locker to becoming you know um, a manager or something like that like a, a floor associate to being a manager the 10% will be more but the rule of thumb is is 10% of your income absolutely all right rebecca can you put something in the chat i don't i, I don't have that access the the phrase that kevin's talking about is called pay yourself first Okay, I'm gonna put that as a banner. Oh yeah, okay. I don't know how you do all that, but it's kind of cool. Pay yourself first, and what Kevin's saying is, you take that ten percent out, and then you learn. Your mind learns how to to spend the rest of it, however you got to deal with it, because you're so used to not having it there with you anyways, right? And so you mm -hmm. put that in, and then you move on. And just really quick, so let's say like how you mentioned in the bank, right? Like make it automatic, 10% goes away. Do you need to be 18 in order to have those privileges with the bank or, cause I remember I tried to talk to a financial advisor about it. And for some reason I wasn't able to like get. Yeah, like, yeah, you need to be over. To you need to do that, okay. Yeah, you need to be 18 to do a TFSA. Like I know my sister right now, like she's been investing, but it's under my mom's name. <laughs> okay. It's under my, like my oh, mom just no. opened a school. Yeah, so my we still it under our parents' name. Right. Oh yeah. my gosh. And I mean, we might have people who are like 14, 15 here. Like, it's important to start early. We'll talk about that in a moment, I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, but you can have your parents be your trust. Like, it's a trust fund kind of. So, mm -hmm. and there's also an account called RESP. And it's, I believe it's the registered education um, mm -hmm. account. And your parents obviously like are in charge of it, but it, you, your name is on it too. So, that's a way to get your foot in. And then when you turn 18, then you can get the TFSA. Yeah. And then just kind of just since we're on the topic of, you know, like paying, like paying yourself first and making sure that you save up, even though you're 14 and 15, 
right? And I remember when we were like backstage, we were talking about it yesterday. Um, I was kind of talking about like just finding a reason to save because I remember like a couple years ago, I think it was like a year last year, but yeah, um, I was speaking with a friend and basically she was like, we were talking about how we want to save or what we want to do with our money. And she was like, girl, like, I'm still like really young. I don't have any responsibilities. Like I'm gonna enjoy my money. Like I worked for it, I'm gonna enjoy it. In other words, I'm gonna spend it, you know? And I was like, no, but like you should save because I'm a little older than her. So like, I kind of don't have time. Like I need to start saving for school and like things, right? So I was like, no, but like you should still save. But she was like, yeah, but like, I'm not going to university anytime soon. Like I still have some time and stuff. So what would you say to someone with like that kind of, I guess, mindset on their money? Like, would you suggest that like, there's always something you should save for? Like, I mean, like other than like emergency funds, is there anything else that you think students or young people should be looking out for? Or do you think just cause they're young, I guess we can just spend it. I don't know, what's your take on that? Cause I, I don't know, I was, yeah. Yeah, you go first. spend it. Um, I saw someone mention that they like traveling. And so I'm gonna throw this out to the group out there. Uh, oh, that was Michaela. I wanna travel. Yeah, how many people wanna travel? So that's a oh. goal right there, right? And so yeah. have you looked at how expensive it is to travel though? It's a couple grand at least minimum, right? So that could be your first goal to start saving towards. It'll teach you the habit of saving. And uh, right. Like you you kind of alluded to it too. Um, we were talking about this um, yesterday and I was telling Rebecca, like, uh, I guess saving is kind of relative to the person, right? Like there's no ideal like saving goal. Um, like um, some people need to save for school. Some people don't. Um, some people are fortunate enough. Some people want to buy a car. Some people, um, there's different types of saving goals. Like I know like even like last fall, like the new PlayStations and stuff are coming out. Some of my friends were saving to those, for those. Like um, there's different forms of saving. So for all students out there, don't feel like you are saving for nothing. Um, saving comes in different forms. So saving up for something comes definitely in different forms. Um, but yeah, going on that as well, um, in terms of saving and in terms of investing in yourself, Ms. Cassie, I know that you were talking about this as well. And I'd love to hear more on your perspective. What is the importance of like youth right now thinking about maybe like life insurance, thinking about uh, retirement or what even is life insurance? Because some I know there's a lot of complications around that as well. And why is it so important? Well, life insurance is basically if you pass away and you want to leave um, some type of funds or money to your loved ones. So I understand that when you're 18, it's a very far-fetched idea. However, the sooner you start paying your life insurance, you will cap it. And so like past a certain age, you won't have to pay for it. So let's say you want to get like a million dollar life insurance. It sounds crazy. It sounds like a big number, but it's very doable. The, the, the insurance company will charge you a certain amount each month. The younger you are, the quicker you get to pay it all. Versus if you start at 30 years old, then you might have to pay that insurance until you die, right? So the quicker you get into it, the more beneficial it is to you. And I'll tie it up with even retirement. I understand that when you're a teenager, you know, you may not even have started to work. So why would you think about retirement? And the thing with retirement is that the society and status quo tells you you get you you retire at 65. In the last couple of years, people have said 55, but technically you retire when you want. And so mm. If you start saving and investing at a young age, you could retire at 40. You could even retire at 35. And it's not 
impossible. I know people who have done it and there are people in their 30s. I know people who are on their way to it and there are people who are approaching their 40s. And so I understand like it can be like this abstract notion, but you are in charge of your life. You determine what you want for your life. So if you're like, I don't want to work till I'm 65. I want to enjoy my life. I want to, you know, if you want to have kids, I want to be able to play with my kids and enjoy them. If you want to travel and I want to be able to go all around the world. Well, when you have a responsibility like a nine to five, you won't have as much freedom. So if you want um, more faster, then early retirement is possible. But the, the best and maybe the only way to get there is to invest, whether it's in the stock market, whether it's real estate, whether it's um, with your own business, you have to place your money that's going to grow, grow, grow. And eventually you'll get to the number you set and you can you can say goodbye to the nine to five. <laughs> really quick, there's, um, um, I'm with, I'm, uh, there's a Quest Trade commercial. I'm with Quest Trade. Shout out to Quest Trade. But um, there's a Quest Trade commercial, and it's been airing a lot recently. I don't know if it's just for me or for everyone. And then it's someone that shows uh, his wife, uh, a lady shows his wife, um, hey, look at the charts. If we switch with Quest Trade, um, our money will grow like such. And then we should start thinking about retirement. And then he would say, retirement's long away. We don't need to worry about that. And then she would say, it doesn't have to be. So like you said, Cassie, like, retirement it's again it's relative to it's relative to the person like it's, there's no real ideal even though statistics do say around like yeah like 55 65 years old there's no ideal um retirement age so thank you thank you so much for that as well yeah and so just to pick up on what cassie was talking about right um so one can you please discuss the different ways that we can save up for retirement? And this this goes to everybody, because I know Kevin kind of spoke about this in another webinar as well, but the different ways that you can save up for retirement and what like a healthy amount would look like. Because I know like it's subjective to how much each person makes, I'm sure. But like, for example, if you're saving up for school, like you're not going to put only $5 away, like $5 a month away, because then you're not going to like have a sufficient amount of money for school. So like, what would a I would say a healthy amount of money would look like every month. And what are the different ways to invest or save up for retirement? I, I, I think Kevin, yeah, well, I'll, I'll pick it back with what Kevin said earlier, like 10% is, is the easiest way to, to, to start. And like he said, like the salary you make at 18 is not the salary you'll make at 25 and it's not the salary you're going to make at 30. So that 10% will grow. What's important is that you start early. And then as you um, get more secure with you know what you do for a living and the salary you make, and if you have no debts, then that 10% can flip to 20%. It could flip to 50%. It could flip to 70% of your income put into um, an avenue that's gonna generate more money. And so the key is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like, Put three hundred dollars or five hundred. I wouldn't say that. I would say start with what you have and start with ten percent and let it grow. Just be consistent. You have to be consistent. You have to build that discipline that every paycheck or every month I'm going to put that money. And it it is boring. You know, we were talking about budgeting and it is boring. You know, you're just like, uh, but 
when you look down the line, when the interest starts to, to, to kick in and the compound interest starts to kick in and then the companies that you invested in, they're doing well. And so now you may do 200%, you may do 1000%, like it is all possible. But what's important is that you put money to the side consistently. Okay. Mm. So. And I just want to mention, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, Kevin. No, yeah, go I was going to say, you know, with Cassie, she she mentioned multiple streams of income and cash flow. And I think that's like, you know, you start investing, but once you start accumulating wealth, you're going to have to do what Cassie's doing and look for multiple streams of income. It's like, it's like a, a tap that you can turn on and water comes out. But this is like money just flowing into you, right? And with the pandemic, um, people that have multiple streams of income didn't suffer so much than people just have one job because the one job you have could be a good job, but it was so unstable, right? Like work from home and then your job is gone. And then, um, but then if you have multiple streams of income coming in, so when we talk about investing, start off with the 10% or 20% or whatever in the stock market. Once you accumulate that, you know, look at real estate, look at, uh, you know, other businesses that you can invest in. So don't just focus again all your eggs in one basket i know you can diversify within the stock market like you can have like you know uh dividend companies like johnson and johnson you can have apple that growth and all that stuff but again when the market crashes you can see every single stock crashes right but this past two weeks when you saw the stock market crash the real estate market is still doing okay like if you had a, a rental property, um, rent is still coming in, you know, whether pandemic or not, someone's living in that house, you're still getting rent coming in. Uh, businesses, if you invest in a business, it's still, the business is still going on. So you're, you're, you're diversifying your risk as well, right? So, um, so, so that's, that's the next step, I guess, <laughs> when it comes to it. And uh, talking about retirement, like, I mean, you, you have to set your goal because my goal was, my, my goal is simple and, and, and I'm just looking at what I need to live. So I'm like, okay, whenever I do this, like if I could have a million dollars saved, all I want is, you know, one, like 12% a year, like 1% growth a month, 12% a year. And that's $120,000 of um, cash flow in a year that I can have and just, just live on that. Right. So that's my retirement. That's my picture. So everyone's picture could be different. Right. So yeah. And just to piggy off what uh, Kevin said about retirement, uh, retiring and passive income, when we talk about dividends, I forgot to mention that earlier, but dividends are paid either monthly, quarterly, um, semi-annually, or annually. So the good thing about whenever it is that you retire, if you've built a good amount, like if you have a good portfolio of dividends, you could literally have a stream of income coming in every month. And it's money that you don't have to work for. You don't have to get up for. It's money coming in, again, as a reward for you um, putting your money into these companies. Okay, yeah. So I guess we made it clear that retirement is more than just a pension plan because, believe it or not, that was a question I had for Zach. I said, is retirement, like, is investing in retirement, does that mean it's your pension plan? And apparently it's, like, two separate things. I think pension plan is what you get from work, right? Yeah. Yes. There, there's okay. two. You can get a pension from your work. There's also the Canada Pension Plan. And um, so you, we, from your paycheck, when you get your pay stub, you're going to see CPP and mm -hmm. there's a deduction. And so the, the, your workplace is sending money to the government to hold until you retire to give it back to you when, you, when you're retired. Okay. Um, I thought that was it for retirement. but No, some workplaces have an additional pension on top of that. And some don't. Some you have to save up on your own. Okay. Uh, I'm going to put this out to the world out there. 
Can someone Google how much is the, what's the maximum amount you can get for CPP? All right, and then you get back to us. Do some research. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you're about to show this graphic, um, and we're talking about taking ten percent and different things, and and we're talking about starting early and like there's a saying, time is on your side, especially when you're younger. And we have two people here, Jack and Blake, and they're both putting in $200 a month. One person, I can't tell it. Oh yeah, Jack starts off at 21. He puts $200 a month away until he's 30. Blake doesn't put anything in until he's 30, right? So you can see he's invested. So uh, Jack's invested $200 a month. So in total, he's invested $21,000. And when he retires at 65, 66, 67, have 2.5 million dollars mm. he, he started early earlier than blake blake waits until 30 because you know he's got other things to do he wants to party and do different things and he's not worrying about that investing thing he starts at 30 he puts 200 a month in but he has to do it for 38 years he has up putting in 91,000, so he's putting in more money than jack and you can see here he gets a one point one point okay let's call it 1.5 million dollar return so Jack puts in less money, but he has a bigger return. What was the difference? Time. Time. He started early. Yeah. And, and this is beautiful because some of you aren't even 21 yet. Imagine if you started now at 14, 15, 16, 17, putting that away, right? How how much more will it have doubled? You'll probably be at five million easy. Right? So that's that's yeah, it's a great graphic too because um, there is not often seen. Like it's a lot, it's it's heard it's heard of. You could say, oh, you can do it. There's other ways to do it, but it's great to actually like you know see graphics to actually hear minds that have experienced it too. Um, so yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you. And I think someone came back with an answer. Is this is this correct? That's how much you get a month from the government. That's the maximum you can get for your CPP. That's maximum, depending on how much you paid into it. And is so, that even rent? Pardon, that's is your that pet, yeah. rent for some people. Like, imagine rent. What it will be right now? Rent. Is oh like, my. Yeah. Imagine forty years from now, what rent will be, and you're gonna have twelve hundred dollars a month to to pay for that food, water, like clothes, phone bill, entertainment. Yeah. So you need to start saving. You need to have a retirement fund. Yeah, I, I have actually a, that, that number is just the, the the maximum. I I because I because I just searched, I just googled it too, and you know the average is six hundred and something, seven hundred. So, you know, you're talking about that that that's not enough to cover. That's like uh, uh that's that's a one bedroom that you can rent. In, in, <laughs> we're we're going on the topic of of like renting too, and we spoke about uh, passive income through real estate. Um, however. That there's a lot of teens um, that see these graphics on uh, Six Buzz Instagram feed that says Toronto is projected to be one of the top three uh, most expensive places in the world to live in, right? Um, so like real estate, it's great to be in it. We've all heard that. However, a lot of people don't tell the youth potentially the dangers of not um, being aware of of of. Uh, the preparation that goes into real estate. And there's not just the money too. We talked about having good credit um, to get mortgaged as well. So what do you think maybe um, some of the youth can do to prepare for this? Like and not just financial wise, but like we spoke about like credit, um, anything. What can the youth do to prepare for maybe owning a home 
as well in Toronto or well, not even just Toronto, but in general? Yeah, I think the first thing is making sure the credit score is high because when the credit score is high, there's some negotiation that you can do there. But then secondly is um, having the down payment, right? Like if you have a bad credit score, some of the banks would say, hey, you know what? I know the government has a rule where you can put 10% on a house down, but you, if you have a bad credit score, they're going to want 20%, 25% down on a house. So for example, if you bought a, if you were going to buy a condo, um, I'm going to say this a $500,000 condo downtown. I don't know if this exists. Okay. I don't know if this exists, but if, if it does, there's one, it doesn't come with a kitchen or bathroom, but <laughs> um, yeah, so, so if it does exist, imagine um, if you had a bad credit score, you would have to put down around, you know, um, $100,000 and it takes wow. a while to save $100,000. Right. But if you have a good credit score, you can put down, you know, uh, 10%, uh, sorry, 10%, which is a $50,000. So significantly less, less money that you put down. And then obviously there's government programs that help you make up the difference, but you know, that's the difference between bad credit score and a good credit score, $50,000, right? So number one is the credit score. And then number two, it's, um, um, it's really saving up that money. And if you're really lucky, you know, you can be very friendly with your parents and your parents can help you out as, as well, right? Because I know a lot of parents are going to be helping out. Uh, a lot of my friends, they got started because their parents are saying, hey, you know what, I'll take down some debt out of their personal home to, you know, give the kids a down payment for, for their first home, right? So I'm, hmm. I'm going to uh, answer that also with what Cassie said earlier about interest rates, right? And credit scores. So when you're borrowing, when you're getting money for a mortgage, Everyone sees the posted rate. They're like, oh, it's only 1.9%. That's for people with really good credit rating. As your credit rating gets worse and worse, right? It's lower and lower. You don't get that 1.9%. You might be paying 5%, right? Or, or even higher uh, to be able to get that mortgage. So your interest rate will be higher if your credit score is lower. I hope that made sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I would say too, there are other costs to owning a home. So yes, you need the down payment. Yes, you need the great credit score. That's the beginning of it, um, you have to take into consideration the taxes where you live that you're going to have to pay. And because it's a home, you know, if it's a new construction, perfect, the, the house will probably be in great conditions for years to come. But if you buy a property that's a little bit older, then you may have to do some repairs. And sometimes people don't account for that. And it can go up quickly. So I would say to still have like a like a fund for your house just in case something happens so that you're not you're not like left drive if ever you have to fix your roof or like your windows out of nowhere because something happened yeah and, and another option will be uh, a lot of people are doing is you know you buy a house that you can rent out the top live in the basement or something like that and as as, as a starter house right and you do that for the first you know five years six years whatever it is and then and then you can you know maybe sell the house and get a your own house or kick out the tenant and then now you have you know um now you have a full house to yourself but that's another creative way where you don't have to um you know you can alleviate some or shoulder some of the mortgage costs uh so you can still have your own living places and 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 afford it i know a few students who actually i know one family where the students going to university they're going to go to brock university instead of paying rent they decide to like the parents are lending the money or whatever, getting the house. And then that allows the, the student to not have to pay rent. 
and then they're getting their friends to live in that house. So now they're paying rent, but this is gonna be the student's house one day, right? And so she's gotta run it, manage it and stuff like that. So some people are blessed to have a parent who might have those finances ready. You might wanna to talk to them and say, look, I'm going away to school and like let's work out a strategy so that we can increase our wealth while I'm going away. Absolutely. Yeah. There is a question here that was posted. It says, do you need a retirement fund if you have a pension with the government and your workplace? Mm. Yeah, I, I absolutely think so. Because, you know, when you're in, we, we work so hard all of our life. And when you're in retirement, you want to travel. You want to do fun things, right? Um, as you can see, the, the uh, I mean, the average Canadian pension plan is $600 or $700. And then, um, you know, you have another pension. Uh, so yeah, the maximum is one thousand two hundred, but the the average is like six hundred or seven hundred, um, and then you have another uh, income from your I guess your workplace uh, pension, like uh, from hoop or or the teachers pension, right? And that may make up another few thousand dollars, but again, like if you're depending on that, uh, it might not be enough, right? Like so, you have to actually sit down and say, hey. At that point, when I'm in, when I'm 65, I might have some health issues. Okay, I might have some health issues. I have to spend money on. I want to travel the world, uh, and I still want to live in my home. How much is that going to cost me? Because maybe you're a simple person. You say, hey, you know what? Retirement is just me sitting at home, going out for breakfast in the morning, and watching TV or something like that. Then maybe that that's okay, right? But um, you know, you spent your whole life working. Maybe now you want to travel. So um, for me, that wasn't enough. I, I, I did the math and it wasn't enough for my lifestyle, but it depends on what your lifestyle that, that you want. That's the key word there, lifestyle. What lifestyle do you want when you retire, right? Start to picture that now. Oh, we haven't talked about vision boards. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You should start already be envisioning what you want, the lifestyle you want in the future. And then now you have a goal to work towards, right? And save towards. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. So from this discussion, what I'm hearing is you, you save up, guys, save up so that you can afford, you know, your houses and stuff. But like on the other end, though, I just really want us to discuss debt as well. Mm -hmm. And basically like what that, you know, because right now we're all young, at least, you know, the viewers watching, a lot of us are teens. Right. So we probably don't have any debt to our names, really. But basically kind of one, what is debt Two good debt versus bad debt, because apparently there's good debt that can work for you and what that kind of looks like. So, and I guess how, um, like, okay, first I guess we can discuss what debt is and the good debt versus bad debt. Yeah, so 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 bad debt is debt that would take money from your pocket uh, that you have to keep paying every single month. So a bad debt would be like, let's go buy a car right? Let's go buy a car. And then, you know, uh, that's, that's debt. That's your name. And every single month you have to pay that out. Um, unless you're using that car to do Uber, <laughs> unless you're using that car to do Uber, then that debt becomes good debt because that debt actually generates you money. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you know, most people like me, I'm like, Hey, at that time when I was growing up, there was no Uber. So you just buy a car to buy a car. Right. So that's bad debt because you, every month you're spending out. But if you do Uber, um, that debt is making you money and it's a tax deductible because you have a business doing Uber, right? Mm. So Rebecca, once again, can you put assets versus liabilities? Okay. Yes. Everything that we're talking about. And what he's talking about is, is an asset. If you buy a car and you're just driving your friends around, that's a liability. It's costing you money. But if you're driving Uber people and you're making money, now it's an asset. It's generating wealth for you, right? So uh, assets, 
create wealth for you, liabilities cost you money, right? And they're bringing you further down. And that's why they're saying it's good debt versus bad debt. A good debt would be an asset. And then I, I kind of just want to go into, is there such thing as too much debt? Because I hear cases where, I mean, not hear cases, I watched a BuzzFeed video and basically there was this one, she, this one lady, she's a doctor and she was talking about how she's been a doctor for many years, but she still didn't finish paying off her student debt loans and because she had a lot of, I think she was like still 80K, like $80,000 in, right? But she has the money to pay that off now. She's been working as a doctor for a long time. She has the money to pay that off, but she's not paying that off because it's somehow working for her in some way. And so one, like, is there such thing as too much debt? And then in those cases, how can debt work for you when you're when you are in a position where I guess you have a lot of it? So so for her okay i sometimes i have that that mindset like if i had eighty thousand dollars right now uh and i could pay off an eighty thousand dollar debt or i can put eighty thousand into the stock market i look at the interest rate if my interest rate is three percent and i'm a good investor like three percent per year and i can invest it and make five percent a year then it doesn't make sense for me to pay off three right because now i'm making two like five minus three i'm making two percent profit uh, maybe i might find an investment that's ten percent why am I paying off using that eighty thousand to pay off three to get three pay off three percent? I could be making ten percent. I should do a graphic to make it make. Does, does that make sense? Or yeah, no, it makes sense. Okay, yeah. so that was my decision too. So when I graduated, I had seventy thousand dollars of student loan debt, and it was really low interest. So and and I got seventy thousand dollars on 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 the other hand too. And what I did with it was I bought two uh, investment properties. Um, I bought a triplex and a duplex. So that's five units total in the in the two properties. And I took on more debt. You know, my mom was freaked out. Like she didn't know anything. She's like, oh my God, you're in debt and you're gonna take more debt for a mortgage and all that stuff. And I'm like, mom, mom, I, I read in a book and I went to a few seminars. I think I can do this. <laughs> right? I think I can do this. And 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 next thing you know, in three, three and a half years down, I sold the properties. Actually, the whole time, my tenants that paid the rent. They were paying off my my student loan debt and the mortgage with the bank. I was net even, so at the end of the day, I'm not um, I'm not cash. I, I didn't lose any more money. I was just at the same place. But as the year grows by, you know the house value grows goes up, right? So that's that's uh, something that happens when you buy homes. The the your 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 money grows because the house value goes up. So in three and a half years, the house went up by a certain value. I sold the homes paid up all my debt and then I had extra money that I, again, started to reinvest now debt free, right? Mm -hmm. So I cleared up all my debt using other debt because I, I had that same thought that, hey, you know what? The debt on student loan debt was so small, the interest rate and the interest rate that I was getting the interest, the money that I was making from the house, it's like 20% a year. So, you know, I, I compared those two and I'm like, okay, let's let's do that. And, and it worked out. So. Yeah. <laughs> And while we're on the topic of student loans, right? So I was speaking with a guidance counselor and she was basically just like explaining to me the different ways that I can pay off school. First of all, that was a huge reality check. We know this, we spoke about this yesterday. I had no idea that school was gonna be around 23 to $24,000 a year at university, especially cause I'm living on residence. And yeah. there's only so much that OSAP can give you. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have some money saved up for school, but you know, like there's only so much you have saved up. And so um, basically what, and honestly, I don't even think it was a guidance counselor that told me thing, told me this. I think it was a lady at some other university, but she was basically telling me how, you know, eventually you have to pay back OSAP, right? And you also have to watch out for the interest rates 
that OSAP has because there's interest rates, I guess, when it's not like you borrow money and you just repay the same amount of money. So apparently, like, it might be smart to try to find another student loan with a bank and see if you can find a student loan somewhere else where it may be cheaper interest rate and kind of get that, like, borrow that money and pay that money back because apparently that might be cheaper instead of going with OSAP. Or apparently, like, I guess borrow from OSAP and then later on when you have to pay OSAP back, get a loan that may have a cheaper interest rate to pay back the OSAP and then pay back that loan with a cheaper interest rate. But basically what I'm trying to get at is like the different ways you can pay off school without worrying about that high interest rate because it can be a lot of money, especially like when you're going away living on res and then, you know, having to take care of yourself and then paying tuition, depending if you have enough money saved up. But I don't know, different ways you can look after the interest rates because as you can see, the way I'm explaining it is probably coming off really confusing, but I don't know if you guys understand where I'm trying to get at. Okay, okay, so maybe you can break it down a lot better than how I said well, it. There's different strategies, right? So what you're saying is if you come out of school, and I don't, I don't know what the Baker Canada rate is right now, but let's say it's 5% uh, per year of interest, and you can find someone who's going to lend you the same amount of money for only 2%, then yeah, you want to switch it over and be paying 2% instead of 5% of mm -hmm. interest. Right. So what and you're then, saying, yeah. Yeah. If you're yeah. able to find it, and yeah. it's still good after finishing university. Did you use yeah. your card wisely? <laughs> yeah. So the interest rate of OSAP or any other loan right now, it wouldn't be the same. Like when you first get it, it wouldn't be the same four years from now, right? That's not well, how it works. Interest so rates increase. They they fluctuate. So it goes with the Bank of Canada. Something called the prime rate. Mm -hmm. uh, so it fluctuates with that. Okay. Yeah, I think, you know, with the, with the environment that we are today, like interest rate right now is super low, but you know, when the economy picks back up again, like it could be at a higher rate later on. Right. So. Mm -hmm. Someone's asking is OSAP a good idea. And then I guess any other advice you have. Yeah. Go with those. I've heard mixed reviews about OSAP and that's where I'm kind of getting this advice from. Some people are saying, don't go like, don't get OSAP. But I really think they're coming from a place of privilege. Honestly, I don't think they understand that not everybody has the money to pay for school. But some people are like, don't go with OSAP. Some people are like, go with OSAP. But, so but, if but do you know, um, I studied in Quebec, so I don't know what it isn't with uh, Ontario. But my understanding is that student loans um, through the government have the lowest interest rate in comparison to banks. Okay. So I would say try to see who really has the best interest rate because again to go back the bank is going to give you the interest rate depending on your credit score oh wow okay yeah your credit so score. it could be better you could get a two percent interest rate with a bank um but you could also get like eight or ten and so i would say compare that to what is the interest rate for osab um i know for now um I think it's throughout Canada that they canceled all interest rates on student loans. I will, okay. it would have, I would yeah. encourage everybody to look that up, but I know that during COVID it was canceled, the interest rate were canceled. So whatever loan you had with your student loan, it would go directly to uh, the capital you, you were owing, you weren't paying additional interest rates. Okay. So when you borrow money on OSAP, this is why I'm saying two thumbs up for borrowing money. Say you borrow the twenty-four thousand to pay, like to pay for your school this year and next year. You don't have to start paying them back until six months after you finish school. So, like, you're, right? So, right, and like during that time, I encourage people to work, save up some money, maybe invest some money, make that money grow, 
And then when OSAP says, hey, it's time to pay back, you're like, I got this, no problem, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and someone brought up a good point. Technically, you can take their grant and just go with it. So apply with OSAP anyways, because there's probably free money waiting there for you. Yeah. So apply anyways. But in terms of taking their loan on top of the bursary or the grant, um, I guess right now it sounds smart. So guys, apply for OSAP, I guess, for you. Absolutely. And one thing I will say, too, like being in post-secondary now, for those listening, Rebecca, even though you're going in, scholarships, scholarships, scholarships. Um, I know I know myself, um, there's a lot of scholarships, like looking at it, a lot of scholarships that people don't apply to that go like un-granted. Un, like, yeah. So sometimes even if you don't qualify necessarily, they might say, okay, you're the only applicant. Who knows? Who knows what could happen? You know, so shoot your shot anywhere um, in terms of scholarships because that is essential for paying your school as well. Sorry, Mr. G, go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, people think scholarships are only academic or athletic, and there's so many other types. I point out to my students that there's some for being tall, there's some for being short, there's some for being of Asian, black, like different races. There's different uh, for your volunteering in the community, there's scholarships for those. So look into it. There's tons around. People want to give yeah. away money to you for free. Yeah. I'm, I'm with I'm with uh, I'm with CIBC and CIBC has an annual scholarship that they give up for signing with it, signing up with them within that year. That's all you need to do. All you need to do is sign up with a student checking account with them within that year. And you need to deposit, sorry, about three hundred dollars. And you need to prove that you're a post-secondary student. That's all you need to do. Wow. And, you and you're you're in you're you're qualifying like you're in the running for that scholarship. Um, so there's definitely um, ones available um, for you. But there's a lot of people, yeah, like back, back to that point as well. Like there's a lot of people that, and I know Cassie, you teach a lot of young, younger students as well. There's a lot of people that don't feel like they qualify for some scholarships. Like Mr. G said, they feel like, oh, their academic standing is not enough. Um, or they don't feel like they have that knowledge for post-secondary. So even like marginalized communities and, and, and those, and some people in different uh, ethnic backgrounds they don't have that knowledge, whether it's within their home, within the school. Um, so what are steps that we can take um, as students, um, not being educated directly? What can we take? What approaches can we take to approach the financial, like everything that we covered today? Um, what can we do to better ourselves in terms of that knowledge? That's a super good question. And it's it's a mix of everything that we've said. Look up the products that you look that you use every day. Look up like the, the products in your cabinet, the 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 product like your phone, your shoes. Like a lot of people like buying shoes. There's Nike on the stock market. There's Foot Locker on the stock market. Um, if you have more of an inclination for the real estate, you can look into that. There are. It depends. For me, I think that when it comes to investing, the money that you make, you have to go with something that is familiar to you at least start with that and then from there it will grow unfortunately yes we are um like we are a marginalized community so we have less access than people with more privileges however we we still can obtain these things they're not unattainable it's just that we have to do more work we have to do more research to get there but it is there for you to take it um, and I'll also say it's your life. Like somebody was asking, you know, is it enough if I have a pension with the government in your workplace? And 
um, different people said it depends on your lifestyle, but it's really your life. You create the life that you want to live. So do you think the government will give you what you want? Do you think your workplace that you may switch after five years will give you what you want? You don't know. But what you know is who you are and what you want to do with your life. So bet on yourself. Get that education. Use Google. <laughs> use books. That's how you're going to get more information and the resources will come uh, through these things. So that's what I would advise for people who are looking for more resources to grow. Mm -hmm. And Kevin as well, um, you were talking about when you were when you were younger coming out of uh, post-secondary that sometimes your, your, your parents looked at you like you were crazy with what you were doing. Um, and sometimes that connection, that, that student to parent or youth to parent sometimes is lost in terms of finances. And sometimes parents don't feel like they are obligated to talk about talk to their kids about finances, right? So um, I guess it's a twofold question because one, why do you feel like that is? Why do you feel like maybe some parents are uncomfortable or some kids are uncomfortable asking their parents? And two, like how can we maybe not better that relationship, but if our parents are maybe not an outlet that we think we can go to, who else can we go to maybe to look for that financial advice? Yeah, I think um, most of it, I think, has to do with demographics and uh, upbringing, um, you know, because, you know, I guess most of us, like like most of us, uh, my family is an immigrant family. So, you know, when my mom first came to Canada, she knows, hey, work hard, go to school and, you know, get a good job. And then that's 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 life, right? That's that that was life for her. But talking about investing, no one talked. No one taught her that. Like, you no know, when she came to Canada, like no, no one at the bank said, Oh, you let's teach you how to invest or anything like that. So the conversation never even got started with her, right? With with my mom until I started the conversation. It was so hard. It was like it was like a year ordeal of like, hey, this is how you should we should grow it. And obviously in the beginning it was hard. She didn't believe me. What do you know? Like, you know. Um, but you know, as I kept talking about it, as she saw like that I'm more active in terms of learning it. She got interested, so she started attending some of the classes with me. And then, you know, then 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 I opened up her eyes to this whole new world where you can invest and you can achieve some of these things, right? So uh, that's, that's, that's uh, I guess, one area. But I mean, in terms of financial literacy, like these podcasts, like I know we can Google online. There's a lot of forums, a lot of uh, people that are talking about it now. But it's just if you're willing to, I think there are workshops like Cassie are teaching, I'm teaching, or Mr. G's teaching, and it's out there. And we just have to look for that answer. Right? It's it's the desire of uh, wanting more. Yeah, definitely. And sorry, Rebecca, I have a one third question. Go sorry, ahead. Just for just for Mr. G as well, because Mr. G, you you do spend a lot of time with students. You you are a Madonna teacher, and a lot of the students that you deal with. I'm sure they ask you some stuff that they read on the internet the night before or something like that. So what are maybe the like the dangers of trusting the internet and what everything it, uh, it shows? And uh, how do you know when one thing on the internet is true or one thing is right? Like, is it an instinct thing? I know Kevin was talking about maybe sometimes if it is too good to be true, oftentimes it is. So yeah. what are some of the things that the dangers, uh, I guess, pros and cons to the internet in terms of financial literacy? So with everything, you should always be getting multiple sources and like comparing them. And if you see consistency within it, then you're like, oh, okay, uh, it's, it's likely. And then also try to find reputable people, like not some random person who has a video. It has like, it's so funny. They'll have like a, a Porsche, a Tesla and a Ferrari in the background. And look at all, 
a really wealthy person doesn't floss, right? Really wealthy people are kind of like can, can sometimes be chill and they're not going to spend money on liabilities, right? Cars that don't generate wealth. They're, they're going to spend money on other things. So, uh, <laughs> right? Assets versus liabilities. Thank you. Um, so that's going to be important. Just look for consistency in the different people that are talking. As Cassie said, read books. And I have this one rule of thumb. Uh, if any of my students are here, they've heard me say it a million times. Use your time wisely. So if I'm going to be on Instagram or TikTok or whatever uh, for an hour today, I'm going to take one hour and do something that benefits me, that helps me reach my goals. So I keep track of how much I'm like doing foolishness, entertainment, having fun, but then I'm also investing in myself, trying to match that so that it's I'm not just going one direction, right? So I think that will help. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I think with all of this, uh, you know, financial literacy, if you can find like a mentor, like keep in contact with, with Mr. G, right? Just having a, a mentor, like someone that taught you that has already done it. And you can ask a question. It's just maybe a call away or something like that. And just have, have, have a second opinion, right? Like I have my clients calling me for second opinions all the time when it comes to like taxes, right? Because that's what I do. It's like they, they know what it is, but hey, let's let's have a, a person where you can talk this to. So someone that like Rebecca and Zach, you guys talk between yourself in terms of financial literacy, right? So just even having that other person that you can talk to and discuss to really helps you uh, uh, like, like down the road. And I'll add to there are a lot of communities um, within our communities that are talking about investments. There are a lot of Facebook groups where people, they just come together. There's um, Black Canadian investors on Facebook. Um, that's one that I can actually vouch for. They give good tips. They give, uh, they share good information. You can literally email somebody and ask them uh, for a second opinion you can also grow your community with this knowledge that you're gaining along the way. And I think that that's really important. Something we mentioned yesterday uh, with Rebecca, there is no bad. Wait. There are no bad. Bad questions. There's there are no, no bad, bad questions. questions. Ask, yeah. ask. And if someone doesn't know, ask somebody else. Ask somebody else. Someone will give you that answer. And then like, once you find that person, just keep talking to them. Because as you can tell, we get excited to talk about money and like wealth and, and, and taking, right? Being successful in life, right? So you'll yeah. find those people. Right. Yeah, putting yourself out there. Cause I know even when trying to find people to speak, right? Like Mr. G, he goes to Madonna and I go to Madonna too, but I haven't been at Madonna for very long. Yeah. So I haven't gotten a chance, you know, to get to know Mr. G, but it was just from a simple Instagram post. I'm like, hey guys, do you guys know any, like, you know, anybody who could discuss financial literacy and then a friend like dm me and she was like oh yeah like there's this teacher and so like i guess putting yourself out there and then you know there's connects anywhere like who knew like a teacher at a school you know would come here and talk about financial literacy right so i guess just putting yourself out there to ask the questions as well mm -hmm. and really quick kevin if you want to shout out that book you were talking about yesterday rich dad versus poor dad uh, i didn't rich dad, poor dad yeah. yeah yeah i didn't read that book yet but i have it like on a wait list for Amazon. But yeah, apparently it seems like it's really good since. Yeah, I mean, that book was um, the first, okay, it was the first book that I actually really read. So I, I read books because I had to go to school, right? You had to read textbook because you had to go to school. But it was like the first book where I honestly read it and enjoyed it and I indulged it and it changed my life. Like after that book, I read hundreds of books after that. Because before that, I hate books. Like, I mean, I had to read books because I had to go to school, but. I wouldn't read books otherwise, right? So after that book, I felt like 
it was a paradigm shift for me and it changed everything that I knew and learned. And um, yeah, so it was it was a really powerful book. And I think that's why it's like one of the top selling books uh, out there. Right. So yeah. and I'll just add there's a website called PDF Drive where they basically share the PDF version of the book. And so you can actually yeah. find Rich Dad. It's called PDF drive.com i believe life hacks wow yeah life hacks so you can literally download wow. the book right after this session you could go on it type rich dad poor dad download the book and read it from your computer and they have plenty of books i actually personally i don't even buy non-fiction books anymore i just go on that website wow that yeah. is amazing to save money guys i wonder if some of my textbooks are on there <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Because textbooks in university, that's a whole nother topic we could get into about budgeting. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But are there any uh any last words, Mr. G? Any last words from no, you? Yeah, I'm good. Use your time wisely. That's my favorite saying. Like like have a goal and then like don't waste time like doing foolishness. Like find the ways to move yourself further. If if you're doing something that's not helping you achieve your goal, then why are you doing it? Mm -hmm. so. We Absolutely. have to know what it is, right? So. Absolutely. Mr. Kevin, any last words? Be passionate about your future. Mm. Passionate mm. about your future. That's a big one. That's yeah. a big one. And Miss Cassie, any last words? Create the life you want. Wow. I, I love these one-liners. I love the one-liners. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, we are we are eclipsing almost our time. We want to thank you guys so 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 much, um, Mr. G. As Mr. G said, I, we could tell that the passion, like we could tell you guys are all passionate about what you guys do. Um, so we want to thank you guys for your time because we do know your time is very valuable. Mr. G doesn't waste his time, oh. so <laughs> we want to thank you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you guys so much for being on here, and hopefully we get a chat soon as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, thank you guys. So we will see you guys. All right, thank you everyone that came. Thank yeah. you. Oh, sorry, sorry, you were like in the middle of speaking. No, I'm just saying thank you. To, yeah, that's it. Oh, all right. Thank you. Right. All right, bye now. Thank you, thank you. Woo. <laughs> Honestly, my I at the beginning of the show, I had I had this up. I didn't even open it once. Okay. I had my notes. I had my notes open on my laptop though, and I was I was typing on my laptop because it was just easier. But wow. Wow. Oh, I'm definitely um, gonna come back and rewatch and actually take that. Yeah, this is definitely I mean, a rewatch. I'm looking at what Ian said right here. I just want to highlight that. Like, just if you guys are trying to get involved and start, I don't know what mm. that is, but I'm going to Google it now and later on and see what that is. But yeah, I'm going to go back. Even, and yeah. yeah, even some of the stuff, um, some of the terminology, if you're a bit confused about that, it's okay, don't hesitate to reach out to us. And if we don't, we are not clear, we will reach out to our experts that we had. We got you guys covered, it is okay. Um, like Kevin said as well, like it's not a sprint, like this is a marathon, like everything goes gradually. So we just wanna thank you guys for listening as well. And we will get into our next steps. Rebecca put up the, all right. So guys as we always have to promote our podcast. Guys, we have our podcast. We have our Google podcast and Spotify. Spotify, wow, my English left me for a second. We have our Spotify podcast as well. You guys can listen, I guess, on the go, you know, if you guys wanna come back and, you know, refresh your memory on some of the terms 
and topics that we talked about today and even in our previous episodes. We have them on podcast now. And as you guys, and I'm sure most of you guys follow the account, we have an Instagram account. You guys can follow The Focus. This is where you guys can get updates. This is where you guys can get um, videos, short clips, highlights. Um, like I said, yeah, updates on everything that The Focus is doing. So be sure to follow us so that you guys can get all the information you guys need. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, Mr. Kevin is a financial accountant. We went over that. Um, Mr. G, he was a, he's in Madonna Secondary, so some of you guys may have seen him, may have not. But Miss Cassie, Miss Cashley, Miss Cassie actually is going to be teaching a few series of webinars like these, um, the Level Up program starting on June seventh. Um, this one is free to join. It's free, absolutely free. I know we love that word free. So if you guys do want to learn more about anything in particular that we talked about. Um, like financing, trades, uh, communication, stuff like that, that mm -hmm. will be covered. And Miss Miss Cassie will be co-hosting that as well. So click on that link that you guys see there. If you guys want to register, tune in. It will be offered remotely. And yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great one. I can already tell Miss Cassie is a great person to talk to. So and the link is in the chat, so you guys can go ahead and save that real quick as well. And then with our next episode, we are going to be talking about racism today. And so I know you guys have probably attended many conferences and webinars regarding racism. I know I have. Have you, Zach? Yeah, this but this is this is like no other. Yeah. So but like for no other. we definitely just want to take it beyond just discussing racism. And we want to go over debunking certain racial terms that we all have questions about. Even today when working on it, I was like, wait, what does this mean? And what does that mean? So we're going to have an episode to debunk the different terminology that we see around in social media. And we're also going to go over the next steps that we can take beyond just having discussions. So guys, stay tuned and definitely come in for next week's episode. Certainly. And I know today was a bit jam-packed in terms of information, um, but you can rewatch this. As well. This will be available um, on podcasts like Rebecca mentioned. But other than that, that is it from us for today. My name is Zach. I'm Rebecca, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Take care, guys. Bye.